0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. After experiencing trauma, I went to therapy and my therapist guided me through a difficult time in my life. They helped me understand what was happening and provided me with tools to cope and find my own strength and resilience. Their experience and compassion were invaluable and enabled me to rebuild my life and move forward. I strongly believe in the power of therapy to help people through difficult times. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who is trained to listen and give you helpful, unbiased advice. First, you go to their site. You can use my link, betterhelp.com slash resilience. You answer a few questions, and BetterHelp will match you to a professional who has years of experience helping people with struggles just like yours. Let BetterHelp connect you to a therapist who can support you, all from the comfort of your own home. Visit betterhelp.com resilience or choose podcast, then notes on resilience during sign-up and enjoy a special discount on your first month. Hello and welcome to Notes on Resilience. I'm your host, Mania Chilinski. My guest today is James Gardner, aka Coach James. He's a survivor of near-death experiences, lives with a brain injury and physical disability, and he's turned his experience into helping others. He works as a life coach to empower people to become the best version of themselves. We had a fabulous conversation today. We talked about resiliency as boundaries, how trauma puts someone into survival mode, not necessarily the ability to thrive, And we even touched on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think you're really going to
1: enjoy this episode.
0: Hi, James. I'm excited to be talking with you today.
1: Hi. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. And before we get into the meat of the matter, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, if you could have a superpower, what would that be?
1: Ooh, that's a tough opening question, but I like it. Um, what would my superpower be? Oh, let me have a think. Mm-hmm. I would probably say maybe flying, but another really good superpower would be able to help people and like have x ray vision and see healing stuff and like, and see like where things are going wrong so I can help them more. So that would be a cool superpower to see oh, nice. where people's blockages are and how I can best help them.
0: Yeah. And I like that you're using you're using your superpower for good and not evil.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So, James, who are you and what do you do and how is it that Ooh. we are talking today about resiliency?
1: So, I'm James Gardner or Coach James. Um recently qualified as a certified professional life coach. Nice. Um my niche or my area of I'm um, interested trauma and PTSD and resilience because when I was five, so that was in 1986, I was involved in a car accident mm. and um sustained massive brain injury and mm. I was in a coma for three months and they didn't think I would survive. Wow! And then when I when I did they they struggled to like get me off of life support machine and get me to breathe on my own. But when I did, I was like paralyzed, major brain damage. And obviously at five years old, that's a, a major trauma to be going through.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Since then, I've been like on a lifelong journey, putting myself back together again, learning to walk after they said, oh, he's probably got, not going to walk. And if he does, he won't have a good quality of life. And all those type of things, and then so I've made it my lifelong mission to to make myself the best version I can possibly be. And then I got into personal development after doing lots of physical therapy, going to the gym a lot, and then still feeling a bit broken, a bit like, "Is this all there is?" Like, and then the light bulb moment was when I started to address my emotional aspects mm-hmm. yep. and my mental health someone said to me have I addressed my trauma and I was like well my trauma happened like 30 years ago It's like right. what do you mean of course that's like just sorted itself out and it's gone on its merry way into the universe and of course but no I read some books and I did lots of research because I was at that time a journalist so I was heavily into reading and and researching so I researched this trauma and it was like an epiphany all these light bulb moments and I was like oh that sounds just like me and oh yes my my digestion is sluggish and this yes and my circulation is poor and oh yeah so it was like all these aha moments and then I dug into trauma and like did a lot of research. And then my world started slowly to fall back together once I like looked at all these aspects of trauma and understood what was going on yeah. and how to how to understand it.
0: Must have felt so in- incredible. I remember similar moments for myself reading things and realizing, oh, that's what this is. Mm. That's why this is happening. So that must have felt incredible, like you were almost finding yourself finally.
1: Yeah, really strange because I didn't used to have an appetite,
0: mm. and
1: I was like, "Well, that's a bit strange." And then through understanding trauma, it's like you can lose your appetite and your feeling of of hunger and thirst for life because when you're in trauma, that's not important to your body. Right? It's in survival mode. It's not in thriving mode. Right. So all the things like that aren't important to survival. Go bye bye. And I was like, "Well, that makes sense."
0: Well, and your story of such significant trauma that you faced and, and the very real concerns the doctors and I'm sure your family had about your future, Mm -hmm. it just reiterates, I think that we do, we focus on the physical because that is important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, But sometimes to the detriment of the mental health, we don't even, we don't necessarily think about that once the physical is back up and running. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like that's what you experienced.
1: Yeah, for absolutely. For years and years it was all about James learning to walk, James picking himself up. Like I remember being in a hospital bed and people were saying, Well, try and sit yourself up. And I I would try with all my might to sit up on my own. That's how bad it was. I was like my nan said I was like Pinocchio, like a rag doll, like when I first came back from the coma. And like so I like literally had to learn to hold myself up. Wow. And then, so start from from nothing, always being about the physical, yeah.
0: Right. Although the physical certainly sounds like a tremendous amount of work that you have done on your physical health to get yourself mm-hmm. to where you are. And now you started addressing the mental health side of it, which is fabulous. Well, you know, and you have used your experience and now you are helping others.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about the word resilience?
1: oh you've got so many great questions <laughs> um to me resilience I was reading a book or listening to a podcast the other day and they talked about robustness mm-hmm. and I was like oh that's kind of like resilience is like how robust you are how how well you can spring back mm-hmm. hold yourself so to me resilience is about knowing who you are and where where you are. Mm-hmm. And then so you can't get knocked about too easily and you're resilient and like almost like being I suppose almost like being tough, but mm-hmm. being resilient being able to bounce back from the brink and that sort of thing. So resilience to me is it's not a thing. It's a it's like a process. Mm-hmm. That that saying when they tough times make tough people, it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like you get more resilient by going through hard times and learning to bounce back and and learning to grow through things. So for me, to be resilient is to to be strong enough to to know who you are, to be able to stand up and survive hard times and yes. be resilient through through the odds.
0: Oh, thank you. And you mentioned like that it's a process. And Mm. that's something I've been reading recently. People have, I've been seeing some people say, it isn't necessarily trait or a character trait, but that it's a set of skills that we Mm. access when we need them. Does that ring true to you?
1: Mm, Interesting set of skills. I've never thought of in that way, but I guess... Having the skill set or the mindset to be resilient to I I'm doing a lot of work at the moment around boundaries. So I think resilience okay. is about knowing where your boundaries are, knowing when things are overspilling. I wrote in my book about colouring outside the lines. If you know where your lines are, then you don't colour outside of them. Right. So I think like resilience is about knowing where the lines are, where. Where it gets too much for you, so I yeah. think that that is a skill. So, yeah, that's a good point. I like that.
0: Well, and I really like thinking about resilience, boundaries, and resilience as mm. as connected in the way that you describe. So, given your life experience, what do you think people misunderstand about trauma the most?
1: I remember writing one of my first articles on trauma and PTSD and I wrote trauma doesn't just happen on the battlefield Mm -hmm. when I first got introduced to trauma and PTSD and that side of things I thought well it's normally like for people who are in the army and people who go to war and and shoot guns and everything I've not done any of that so I'm like how can I be affected by trauma and then you understand like they write about these two aspects of trauma you have big t trauma like car crash or something significant life changing like that and then you have the small t trauma rage or someone cutting you off or, or things not working out or just life going wrong how you yeah. respond to it can be traumatic but that's a small t trauma mm-hmm. as opposed to the big t trauma so i think people don't understand about the small t trauma they mm-hmm. just understand about like the life and death situations, the battlefield trauma. Yes. I think if people can understand and know about the trauma response that we hold within our bodies, that is like just the vending machine, not dispensing your candy bar can be traumatic.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. When you need that candy bar, that is is a trauma. I appreciate you talking about your thoughts kind of early on, well, trauma is something that happens on the battlefield, and that's not me. Mm-hmm. I had the very same thoughts after my experience of this isn't that, so that it can't be trauma. Exactly. And I didn't realize that whether it's a big T or small T trauma, that just regular people, non-military people, we can experience these things just throughout our lives because Absolutely. they happen. mm mm-hmm. So I, I feel like we, we had some very similar thoughts about yeah, our own definitely. trauma.
1: And I like what you said there about the battlefield. I mean, depending on your perception, life can be a bit of a battlefield. So.
0: Absolutely. And there are people who will say, and I, I think I tend to agree with them, that it's going to be really difficult to get out of this life without some form of trauma, whether it's a something significant like what you experienced or something not quite that much but mm. or whether it's ongoing trauma like living in, in yeah. a community where there's a lot of violence for example mm-hmm. I think none of us really get out of here without experiencing some kind of trauma.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah and and trauma is like, I don't know if you're aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs when at the base level you have security and then for me my trauma mostly came into play when my sense of comfort and security was taken away. Yes. That can also come into effect like losing a loved one mm-hmm. or, or something that can be traumatic as well.
0: Right. Well, I never thought about it through the hierarchy of needs, like how it it is actually impacting maybe that basic level of what you yeah, need, exactly. which is security.
1: Yeah, very much so. And um, I heard another saying the other day, I'm um, and lots of trauma groups on on Facebook and thing was as trauma survivors, we know how to survive. But we're not very good at learning how to live.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can see that.
1: Yes, we're good at surviving. And when the going gets tough, we get strong and we know what to do. But when everything's calm, it's like, well, what's going on? It's like, we're not good at The life skills, because we've just got the good survival skills. Yes. And being resilient. Yeah.
0: I so feel that in my bones, James, when you said that. I can see me in that statement. So Mm -hmm. I have said, I'm sure that you have heard something similar, which is I have often said that trauma is the gift that keeps on giving.
1: It sure is.
0: (laughs) <clears throat> we can laugh about it, but mm, I couldn't always laugh about
1: that. No, no. It, it is that process again. It's like we have to go through it and then once we've processed it, then we can have a little giggle about it or right. or reflect on that. But until like that thing about Steve Jobs said we can't connect the dots going forward, only looking back. Yes. So that's that's the same thing with drama. It's like you can't like appreciate it looking forward, you have to reflect on that. Yes. And then making sense of the world. That's also what I help people do with life coaching is to make sense of the world to help them build the the foundations that they need to to thrive. So
0: Yes. And I think, as you know, experiencing trauma can really chip away at those foundations. And it can be hard to know how to make your way in the world. You know, we've talked about resilience as personal issue, whether Mm. it's a skill you have or it's a character trait, it's something that we each possess and we have certain levels of it. I don't always like the word resiliency because of the way I feel like it gets used sometimes. Mm. And I think a lot about the role of society, the system, the organizations that we're part of, whether it's a workplace or some other community that we're part of, think about the roles that they play in supporting resiliency or not supporting resiliency. What do you think about that? What do you think is the role of our organizations or society in supporting and helping people recover from trauma?
1: I like that, that looking at the bigger picture type of thing. I think like big topic at the moment is that I'm getting involved with is neurodiversity Mm -hmm. and equality. So I think it falls under that umbrella if it's about providing people with that stability, with that stable structure to thrive, no matter to what, to be adaptive. Mm -hmm. And like I know resiliency is about being strong and about bouncing back and about all those survival type things, but it's also about adapting, having to adapt to circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. So I think society, places of that need to be adaptable. I know there's a lot of places that aren't adaptable. It's like this is the way we do it, and, and if you don't like it, then that's tough. But in this day and age, you can't do that. I mean, it's move- you need to update with the times, it's like, it's all about equality, and we've seen a lot of that throughout the last few years happen, that people are equal. We're all on an equal, no matter what our life story, circumstances are. Mm-hmm. We're all entitled to whatever we want within the right realms. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's about that, having the, the accessibility and the, the adaptability for people. So I think it's organisations and and. I might say governments and and that type of thing to be adaptable and understand that everyone's not the same mm-hmm. and treat people equal because I'm big into like equal rights and and being a disabled person myself and living with mm-hmm. disabilities that's something that I'm involved with and I like understand so it's about like having the accessible wheelchair spaces and all those type of things. There are places there are arguments about having the we call them guide dogs, but I know in the states you call them seeing dogs and like mm. whether they're allowed into certain spaces
0: right,
1: and I think partially sighted people or blind people they're they're really strong and resilient to put up with what they've got to put up with
0: right
1: it's still about equal rights and allowing them to to have access to to the support they need
0: right and no matter how resilient you are personally if a if a building isn't going to let you in with your guide dog who is enabling someone to to live their fullest life then doesn't matter how resilient that person is if the exactly. if you keep bumping up against these kind of roadblocks you know especially given your work with equal rights and disability activism mm. What do you think is the biggest roadblock for organizations to be supportive and be create equal environments and accessibility and all of these things that we're talking about? Mm. What's the problem? Why aren't people doing it?
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. I think on a basic level, it's understanding. It's like people are quite closed off to what they don't know mm-hmm. and they're all Like, this is how we do it, and if you don't fit into our model of our business structure or something, then you can't really be a part of us. But I think it's like people need maybe some educating about it or it might need better PR. Yes, And I know when I travelled, I've done a lot of travelling in Asia and China and Thailand in particular, and then I noticed there were – signs and i found it a bit offensive to towards disabled people but because oh. it's just lack of understanding right if your world is not i wouldn't say perfect but if you live in a ideal world mm-hmm. and you don't see people with disabilities or they're not on your radar then you're going to be closed off to that and then like, if you meet someone who doesn't fit your stereotype you're gonna go well you don't fit into my my cookie cutter um so maybe they need to get some flexibility and adapt a little bit the the thing i
0: like the way you're thinking about it education and i guess exposure to different kinds of people if it's if it's it's hard to empathize with other people's experiences if you've never had a similar experience i guess
1: very much so, yeah. And this is why I enjoy the kind of coaching that I do with people because I've had three near-death experiences, the car crash being one of them. So I can really empathise with people. I've been on life support and had brain surgery and and everything. So I can really empathise and put myself in their shoes because I've been to most places that a lot of other people haven't. So that right. makes me easily relatable to other people who are going through similar things and I know trauma people who've suffered with trauma they're so thankful that there are people like us that that understand it and have been there and have done the work and the research and and everything because I think if you just go to see someone and they haven't experienced it they just imagine what it was like and then they, they don't really know and they're just yeah, doing lip service to a certain degree.
0: And I do think for some people, certain kind of situations are just hard to imagine, where they're so frightening to imagine. Trying to to imagine what you must have experienced being in a coma and all of the work that you had to do to recover physically. That's if I think too much about that, it's very upsetting to imagine what must that have felt like for you. Mm. So I think sometimes, too, it can be hard for people because it's scary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like places they don't want to go in their head. Whereas I'm like, I didn't really have a choice. It was six years ago, 27th of April, that I had my 12-hour brain surgery to remove a tumor from my head. Half my brain was knocked, knocked aside by this massive tumor. But yeah, I remember the morning my parents took me to the hospital, Mm -hmm. I had to sign a piece of paper. They I understand the consequences of the surgery that I could have stroke or memory loss or, or I could die. And it's like, well, how many people sign a piece of paper that says that at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning? Not many. Right. Right.
0: Oh, my goodness. You have had some amazing experiences. And it's so wonderful that you're using those experiences to help others now you've written a book, haven't you?
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm working on another one at the moment. So
0: Well, tell us about the books.
1: Okay. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, my book on trauma, um it's called How to Heal from Trauma and PTSD: Your Ultimate Guide to Becoming the Person You Want to Be, and you can find that on Amazon. Okay. Someone said, "Have you addressed your trauma?" And I was like, "Well, no." And then I started reading all these books I I'll just backtrack a little bit I was working as a journalist as I mentioned and my editor had asked me to interview Jack Canfield oh yeah from he writes the chicken chicken soup for the soul books and he's the big life coach in America and so I interviewed Jack but it was almost Jack was giving me life coaching and like from that what got me to realize the the trauma aspect and take One hundred percent responsibility of of my life, which I'd never, I I never knew that was a thing. I'd never heard that before because it's always been about my caregivers and me learning to walk, and then me learning to do this and do that. It's never been about what I want. It's always been about what I've been told I need to do. So that was a real big eye opener. It's like I can actually choose. I have a say in the matter.
0: That must have been such an amazing revelation.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. So then through Jack's work, I read a lot of his books. And then I got into the good work of Dr. Bruce Lipp. He's a friend of mine now through the biology of belief work, did my reading. And then I I learned so much about trauma and PTSD. And I was like, well, why has no one ever told me about this trauma thing before? Mm -hmm. It's been 27 years. And no one's really said, oh, have you looked at your mental health or your emotional well-being? I've seen thousands of doctors and physios and all that. And it's always been about my pelvis isn't level or my scoliosis or something. But if they just said, well, if you learned to meditate, if you learnt to connect with your heart center, if you learned how to breathe or just sit still, those were all new concepts to me. And then right. so I thought I have to write this out in a book. For other people, because nice. if no one's told me, like other people need to know this stuff. Jack talked to me about success is like a a combination lock. Once you know the the combination and all the numbers in the right order, then it will all unlock. And that's yeah. like understanding trauma is about learning the the combination for the lock of like how to turn your lights back on. Because when you go through trauma, it's like the lights go out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- I'm so glad that you wrote the book. And thank you as a trauma survivor for taking your experience and in, in your research and putting mm-hmm. it out there for us. Now, can you share with us what what you're working on for your next book? Or is that a secret?
1: <laughs> no, it's no secret. But yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for letting me share the that, that information to help as many people as possible. So my New book that I'm working on at the moment. It's more about what I've learnt through doing the life coaching and other people's experiences. And oh wow! This is like the third draft of a, the next book I've done. But I was, was going to call it Manual to to Your Best Life or like a life instruction book that you wish you had yes. when you were born. They don't give you the instruction books, right? Right. Start off the book. You'd go to a car dealership and you, you save up for this new car and you work long hours and, and then you get, finally get your dream car and, and you finally sit there and you smell the leather and you touch the dashboard and, and then you open the dashboard and there's this book of how to take care of your car. Yes. When to MOT it, when, what fuel to put in it and blah, blah, blah. Right. You hit this world you don't have a logbook or a guidebook or a manual or anything. Mm-mm. And I wanted to set out and write something along those lines.
0: Oh, nice. This is
1: how to get the best out of yourself.
0: Wow. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I think there are many of us who wish we had that manual. So looking <laughs> yeah. forward to that that being published. So James, we're getting close to the end of our time. And I wanted to ask, What's one question that you wish I had asked you, and how would you would have answered it?
1: Oh, that's really interesting. That's a really tough question that's
0: okay. Hey, you yeah. might not have one it's
1: uh, no, no, I like it. I think it would be I'm feeling into my heart like what would that be? What would be most helpful for you or for someone in trauma? to help them navigate life? Mm -hmm. What's the the missing aspect? What do you feel is not available? Something along those lines.
0: Okay. And what would your answer be to that question?
1: (laughs) Again, another great question, even though I came up with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's, if you're like me, James, you've done so much research on this topic and you've thought about it in so many different ways. Yeah that there's probably too many things, too many answers for you to choose from.
1: Yeah, no, true. But I would probably say, going back to what we talked about earlier, oh, this is really good, I like this, it was about people understanding and people being aware and having been educated in the aspects of trauma and physical disabilities and what it's like for other people. Mm -hmm. When I did my counselling training and and life coaching, it's like put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people can do that properly. Mm -hmm. They do it superficially, but to properly see where I'm coming from. People see me and they assume I met someone today and he said, oh, have you got cerebral palsy? And I was like, no, I've got a brain injury, but it represents a cerebral palsy. I think people just see things and automatically assume it. They don't fully understand and then see where I'm coming from. And that that's a little bit frustrating sometimes. Yeah, And I wish people, not just for myself, but if people understood things a little bit better instead of getting annoyed with me because I got in their way or something. Yeah. People weren't so stuck in their heads so much and they could empathize a little bit. i would tell you a quick story. I go to the gym every other day because it helps with my mental health as well Mm -hmm. as my physical side of things. But when people don't put the weights back or they move equipment and they leave barbells lying around Mm -hmm. and then it becomes like an obstacle course for me. Yeah, And I'm like, why don't people think about other people? not just people that, that have a mobility problem, but just why don't they have the decency to put things back properly or leave things where they meant to be? That little thing would help me so much because i get really angry and wound up just like, why are people so thoughtless? So,
0: James, that is a question for the ages. <laughs> why are people so thoughtless?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: And when you figure out the answer to that, you have found the key. <laughs> Do it all.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to find that key.
0: <laughs> this has been such a great conversation, James. My last question for you before we wrap up is, what would you tell your 18-year-old self about resiliency?
1: Probably the same thing I say to a lot of my coaching clients, to be fair. Not to take yourself too seriously and don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. So I know that's two things, but I'd maybe say don't be so hard on yourself because that is taking yourself seriously. So cut yourself some slack. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. So, again, James, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. How can our listeners reach you?
1: Oh, thanks. So, um, yeah, so I'm known as Coach James. So I'm Coach James on Instagram. And then www.coachjames.uk. So it's co- at Coach James UK on Instagram, and then Coach James.uk for my website, and then coachjames James on Facebook and, and other things. So on Instagram is where I mainly hang out as Coach James. So that's at coachjamesuk James UK okay. as well.
0: Great. I'll put the links for those in the show notes so people can more easily reach you and we'll put a, a link to your book as well if people might oh, want
1: fantastic to. thank yeah, you i really awesome. appreciate that thank you so much for helping people get the word out about resiliency and trauma and educate the masses more yes to make it easier for the the trauma people
0: yeah well thank you for saying that i love this work and i I love talking to people like yourself to learn what other people are thinking about resiliency. And, you know, I just want to say thank you to our listeners. I hope you had a fabulous time in this episode as I did. And we will talk again soon. Thank you for listening. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. So if you'd like to learn more about me, Manya Chelinsky, I work with organizations to help understand how to create environments where people can thrive after difficult life experiences, and I do this through talks and consulting. I'm a survivor of mass violence, and I use my experience to help leaders learn about resiliency, compassion, and trauma-sensitive leadership to build strategies to enable teams to thrive and be engaged amidst difficulty and turmoil. If this is something you want to learn more about, visit my website, www.ManyaChulinski.com or email me at Manya at Manya or stop by my social media on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. So if you'd like to learn more about me, Manya Chelinsky, I work with organizations to help understand how to create environments where people can thrive after difficult life experiences. And I do this through talks and consulting. I'm a survivor of mass violence, and I use my experience to help leaders learn about resiliency, compassion, and trauma-sensitive leadership to build strategies to enable teams to thrive and be engaged amidst difficulty and turmoil. If this is something you want to learn more about, visit my website, www.ManyaChilinski.com, or email me at Manya at or stop by my social media on LinkedIn
1: and Twitter. Thanks so much. Talk soon.